Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. The Volume. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Monday Morning Podcast. Hoops tonight, podcaster at the volume, Jason Timpf and I will break down the Warriors game. Uh, what a sensational series that has been. Draymond Green doesn't block that shot. Kings hit the final jumper. The dynasty is arguably over. I feel like I'm watching the younger version of the Warriors try to beat the Warriors. I picked Golden State in six. I do not know if they can beat this Kings team in Sacramento. I'm not sure they. I'm not sure they can. I'll say this: that um, you know, for for years, you all know this is that the, you know the regular season. If you play hard, uh, have a couple of decent scores, you can win a lot of games in the NBA. But I, I've always been reticent to criticize coaches for rotations because rotations get disrupted um, due to injuries, uh, due to matchups. When you watch this uh, Kings-Warriors series, um, both of these coaches, you know, they're going with a hot hand. They're pulling out all the stops. It won't show up in the box score, but uh, Dante DiVincenzo for the Warriors has had spurts where he's been incredibly valuable. Uh, Looney isn't a big score, but his presence around the rim with Sabonis and tipping balls uh, away from the basket or or to Steph or Jordan Poole or Wiggins, you know, to get the break going. It, it's, I, it's I've said this about football for years. I don't get caught up on play calling. You have no idea what a coach has seen and not seen on film the previous week. What works situationally? What are the tendencies? So it's easy to sit back and watch a game. And go, I can't believe that third and eight call. It could have worked the previous four weeks against that team, and they plug some holes up and it doesn't work that week or in that moment. I'm watching Steve Kerr and Mike Brown. I mean, they are coaching every possession. I mean, Steve Kerr looks like a high school coach in a state final sudden death game. They are coaching every time down the floor. And some of this series is these teams are playing at such a rapid pace you just got to let players play. I mean, these teams had all sorts of turnovers. The Kings and Dubs had all sorts of turnovers. You, you can't coach your way out of some of those. These teams are so skilled. They're deep. And De'Aaron Fox and Steph are quarterbacks on the field. You just got to let them make mistakes. So I, I don't get too caught up in you know uh, substitution patterns. The, these series are you're just you're you're going with what is working. I, I felt watching that Warriors-Kings game, 
It was like I was watching four games in one. The energy shifted back and forth. The Kings had this game multiple times, had opportunities to seize control of the game and had six, seven, eight ugly, poorly timed turnovers or Sacramento wins this game. So the nuance of this series is it feels like an NBA championship. Now, you know, who knows what Denver is? They're not going to get tested much in round one. But I've watched every single team in the West play all their playoff games. I feel like I'm watching the Western Conference Finals with these two teams. I feel like I'm watching an old dynasty about to be replaced potentially by the Kings, a new dynasty in the West. It's just been a sensational first round series. I'm trying to think of something that matches it. It has been, I think it's going to go seven games and I'm not sure the Warriors can win on the road, but it's been about as good a first round series as I ever remember watching. These games have been fantastic. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year. As all of you know, if you've listened to me for years, I love the NFL draft, the architecture of it. I mean, the Jets were a great example last year where they nailed their first four picks. The Seahawks nailed their first five, and it literally set the future up. I mean, if they get Aaron Rodgers, the Jets will be able to play with anybody. Probably have to get a left tackle and another receiver, and the Jets will be able to play with anybody. They got two good receivers. They have a pass rush. They just need to upgrade at tight end, left tackle, wide receiver. Joe Douglas will do that in the draft. I mean, Seattle, we thought was a dying franchise. They hit on two tackles, a star running back, an edge rusher, and two corners. Boom. You know, now they just need another edge rusher. They got to get a couple of defensive linemen, maybe one more receiver, and, and the sky's the limit. So, you know, other drafts are different. Even a great college baseball player. He's not going to make an impact the following year in the Major League Baseball playoffs. As great as these NBA players are, De'Aaron Fox now is just starting to like turn a franchise around. What is he in year five? It takes a long time. These guys come out at 19 years old. NFL is different for a lot of reasons. Number one is guys come out at 23 and 24 years old. They're real men. They're physically ready to play. So if you hit on your first four or five picks, you know, people lament the L.A. Rams. They have a second and two thirds. If they nail the right edge rusher, interior offensive lineman and get a star back or another really high end receiver in the third round, if they can get three starters, they turn around the franchise. They got McVay. They have Stafford. They have Aaron Donald. You're getting grownups, men physically and emotionally ready to play and start. So the Jets and the Seahawks last year, great examples. You nail your verse four or five draft picks. You can, in that moment, you bring in five new starters that you don't have to pay for four to five years. It changes, shifts the paradigm of the entire franchise. I mean, look at how bad the Jets were. The mess Joe Douglas inherits. He even missed on a quarterback and a left tackle. Two of the three most important positions in football. He missed on both. And if Aaron Rodgers signs and they hit on a left tackle and one other receiver, the Jets can play with anybody in this league, including the Chiefs. They can play with anybody in this league. So I love this week. I think the NFL is the league of hope more than any other league. I remember when Bill Parcells years ago took over the Miami Dolphins and they were 1-15. The next year they won 11 games. And I read an article, uh, Tony Sperano, I think, was Bill Parcells' choice as a coach, kind of a defensive guy. And 
I remember reading an article somebody wrote in the Miami Herald or, you know, a Fort Lauderdale paper about what Belichick really did was he took the middle of the roster to the end of it. It wasn't the top end of the roster. He he made the locker room better, uh, the weight room better. He went and got grinders and and rotational players and backups and a handful of low-level starters. And he and he, he changed the entire culture of the organization with like 20 new players. And they weren't stars. Most of them weren't stars. So no sport allows you to recreate your roster and your football identity like the NFL. It takes two to three free agent signings, four home runs in the draft, seven, eight new players to start at energy, especially draft guys who are cheap, and you turn everything around. So I can't wait. Somebody is going to do a Jets or a Seahawks, and I can't wait to watch it. The NBA playoffs are upon us. 20 teams get in, all trying to get that one crown. For last-minute amazing deals to watch your favorite NBA team, it can be the Warriors, it could be the Kings, it could be the Sixers, it could be the Bucks. to get great last-minute deals on amazing tickets, Check out GameTime, the fastest-growing ticketing app in the United States. It's called GameTime. doesn't stop, by the way, with the NBA. They've got NHL tickets, Major League Baseball tickets. They've also got concerts and comedy shows. GameTime. Download the GameTime app, and the redeem code is Colin, C-O-L-I-N. $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Download the Game Time app. Enter the code Colin, C O L I N, for $20 off. NBA playoffs, baseball season just starting here in April, NHL as well. No matter where you live, get out, have some fun this week and this year. Download the Game Time app, last minute ticket deals, lowest prices guaranteed. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends. Colin, how are you doing, man? What a game. Harrison Barnes with the shot of his life. He had a chance to erase all the pain and suffering from the 2016 finals, and he left it long. Well, they needed that Draymond block. They needed the 22 from Jordan Poole. I feel like I'm watching the younger Warriors take on the old Warriors. They, Stefan, De'Aaron, get baskets, get great looks when they want. You have enforcers. Um I mean, they really needed Jordan Poole's game. Now, can he do it on the road? Because he was so bad in the first two games at sack. But if they can get that kind of effort from Jordan Poole, um, that Draymond block is the block of the year for the Warriors. So, listen, I don't know if they're going to win this series because I don't know if they can win in Sacramento. I really don't. But you talk about a win for the league. Oh, <laughs> What man. a great series. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, it's funny with Jordan Poole. I, I actually had a buddy text me a few days ago and he goes, hey, like Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, Desmond Bain, Jordan Poole, like rank them. 
And I, I can't remember exactly where I had him, but I had him somewhere in the middle. But when I responded to him, one of the things I said was like, I think the best individual skill out of any of those players, like the if you were ranking all their skill sets in, in individual areas, the highest number you'd see would be Jordan Poole in his ability to drive the ball to the basket. That his foot, right. his foot speed, his ability to beat people off the dribble is a real weapon. And I, I thought in this particular game, that was the biggest way that he contributed was beating people off the dribble and getting to the basket. They desperately needed something out of him, especially on a night like this where the Kings shot so well. They needed something to offset that. Look at the, look at the box score. They both shot 40, 41% on threes. Both shot over 47% from the floor. Um, both were great from the free throw line, 15 to 18 for the Kings, 22 to 24 for the Warriors. They both had 44 rebounds. Both had uh, over, t- over 25 assists. Um, s- steals about the same, turnovers, points in the paint, 50 to 46. I mean, it was an incredibly even game. That's why in games like that, it's it's the Draymond block, it's one missed jumper, or it goes the other way. Um, I mean, you look at now, there was a free throw disparity early, but it evened itself out mostly by the end of the game. Uh, I don't, you know, the one thing about the Kings is they always, they feel a shooter shy. Now, some of that is... When you play the Warriors, you know, Steph and Clay and Poole and Wiggins, they have more than anybody. It, it, it feels like if almost you just if you put Jordan Poole on the Kings, it would it would literally be the guy. But I, I feel like the Warriors always just have one more three, one more shooter. And that's the difference. And and over the course of the Kings building this puppy. They can see that. They got Davian Mitchell off the bench. Can they go find a great three-ball shooter off the bench? So it's just a process of, you know, filling in the blanks. They've got their Sabonis. They got their coach, their De'Aaron Fox, Davian Mitchell off the bench. They've, they've got most of the boxes checked. But I felt like, you know, they hit that last three. It's different. They, they feel like just one three-pointer shy. You know what? I, I watched this tonight in the second half, and I'm like, outside of Denver, is this the Western Conference final? Like, are these now that the Warriors are at full strength, are we watching essentially the Western Conference final in round one? I remember I, I had a similar thought after uh, the play in games, and everyone's like, oh man, the Wolves and the Lakers, they're both terrible. What an ugly basketball game. And I have like a completely different feeling about this. I think all of these teams are awesome. I think the Kings are awesome. I think the Warriors are awesome. I think the Lakers are awesome. I think the Suns are awesome. The Nuggets have been arguably the most impressive team in the first round here in the Western Conference. And like, again, like what you're seeing here is it doesn't, it's a 2 7 matchup and it's a first round matchup. But these are two teams from an overall talent standpoint that are typically the types of oh. teams that you'd see in later playoff rounds. It's they're incredibly yes. evenly matched. I want to, I want to give a special shout out to De'Aaron Fox because there's this thing that happens. And I mean, we've even seen the reverse side of this with Darius Garland on the Cavs this year as he's really, really struggled um, uh, to just be consistently effective throughout the series. Every time we see a young player kind of rise up the echelons of the NBA, there's always this question like, is his game going to work when they get to the playoffs? And some guys struggle to get separation. Some guys struggle in the physicality. Like Trey Young had a really good game in game three against Boston. That's the outlier. He's had like six straight playoff stinkers before that. You know what I mean? De'Aaron Fox 
His game translates so well to this level. And I actually think you'll find this interesting, Colin, because you've been super critical of this type of player. Right. This ultra-athletic point guard. That is this unbelievable downhill force that plays with passion and energy. That player has failed time and time and time again in NBA history. And the thing that separates in my opinion, De'Aaron Fox from the others, is he legitimately has outrageously good shooting touch from everywhere on the floor. And and so whoever's guarding him like has to give a certain amount of space just by ver- just just to attempt to contain the drive. And so and when he and he's deadly on those shots. Well, and also um, Westbrook and Wall, especially, they didn't play with a ton of self-awareness in their prime. They were going a thousand miles an hour. De'Aaron pays with uh, plays with really good pacing. Mm-hmm. He knows when to slow it up. I mean, he you look like you're watching a 12 year veteran. Like he knows when to speed it up. Steph does this. You know when to when to, he, you know he'll he'll go right through traffic. He's trying to speed the tempo up, and it's not really to get a shot. It's just kind of to see if he can find a little crevice and get to the basket. If he can't, then he pulls it up and waits for the bigs to come down. De'Aaron's got a real understanding of pace and tempo. He's not playing with his head down. Everything, you know, it's like Patrick Mahomes. He sees the field. He sees the court. He sees everybody. De'Aaron Fox is really smart, and he plays like a really smart basketball player. Steph Curry's really smart. Some of this is just guys. De'Aaron also, not that he's not vertical, but he's kind of, uh, he's, I would, I would, you know, if I was a scout, I'd say, smooth, smart, um, beautiful offensive game. It's gorgeous. I mean, mid-range, outside, everything is pretty. Um, so I don't really put him in that. I, I, I you know, and I, and I feel like he's a, he's a little bit like Steph. Probably I trust De'Aaron more in a mid-range, Steph on a three. But I think their games are so much about manipulating pace and tempo. John Wall never did. John was just, get me the ball and I'm going to race everybody down the floor. And the wings are like, bro, hold up. I can't keep up with you. And Westbrook has a little bit of that. He, it's a hundred mile an hour fastball. It's the quarterback that has a fastball. You know, he throws it on the deep post. He throws it on the screen. It's it's a one tempo thrower. And so I think De'Aaron is, I, I think he's an all-timer. I think next year he'll be, I think right now he feels like a top 10 player, maybe 10 but I think if they get past the Warriors, he's going to be a top 10 player. Because I, I feel like he's just 12-ish. And then you're watching him in this series. You're like, um, I mean, if I told you today, Ja Morant or him, I'd take De'Aaron Fox. He's been great in every game. This is this is an outstanding defense in a high-stakes playoff series where he came in as the underdog. And he's been great in every game. Like he, I, I mean, look, like... People always get a little freaked out when we start to talk about lists because you you feel bad about bumping guys. But I mean, here's the deal: like he's he is performing at this level against this type of defense at a higher level than most of the players around the league. I think that's completely reasonable. I think you know it's funny over the course of the series, I've been talking a lot about how the uh, the Kings have no answer for Steph Curry, and that's a big part of why I haven't I've been yet to. Uh, relinquish my stance that the Warriors will win the series. And I still feel that way. I picked them in six. I'm going to stick with that for right now. 
Um, but like the, the reality is, is like the Kings should feel really good about their chances because the same thing is in reverse. Like they, I, I did think it was interesting that we didn't see as much Gary Payton today. Um, they spent a lot of time with Draymond Green on De'Aaron Fox today, which is a super interesting adjustment. Yes. Also, yep. just what a again, what a what a an amazing uh, uh, luxury as a coach to be able to do that. And they did a similar thing last year in the finals, if you remember, when they moved Draymond Green out onto Jalen Brown, because he can just... The thing with Draymond is he has these obnoxiously long arms. First of all, his defensive performance down the stretch of this game was so ridiculous. And there was a lot of talk over the last couple of days. Oh, the Warriors better without Draymond, which everyone just gets dumber whenever that happens. They were 11 points better per 100 possessions with him than without him in last year's postseason. They were 14 points better with him than without him in this regular season. Like that, that, that argument is dead on arrival. I can't believe it ever even gets brought yeah. up. He blew up some plays around the rim. You're thinking of the block. Oh on, my on, God. Sabonis. He had another play. Sabonis is coming down the floor on a short roll. It's a two on one. Harrison Barnes is standing wide open in the dunker spot, ready to go up and dunk it. And Sabonis goes to pass it to Harrison Barnes and Draymond just pokes it out of Sabonis's hands. He blew up a two on one. That's a basket. 95% of the time in the NBA. Like he was, he, he yeah. was unbelievable defensively in this game. But even with him, he has to give a little bit of ground to De'Aaron Fox to try to contain yes. that drive. And on that final shot, the one that De'Aaron made that brought it back to one, like he got a great contest on it, but that's what great players do. And De'Aaron Fox has done that this entire series. He can adjust his release based on where he is on yep. the floor and he can knock these shots down. Well, and also Draymond's got really good hands. Um, Clay Thompson's are okay. Wiggins, I think I've really noticed it with Wiggins. He doesn't quite have his wind yet. And his hands, sometimes when you don't have your wind, you can lose your legs or you get sloppy. Wiggins today had four or five balls that he just couldn't secure. For a guy that's not a great shooter, Draymond's got strong hands and good hands. Like he touches it, he gets it. His timing. Um, There are certain players in the league that uh, and because, you know, I employ Draymond, one of his many employers, by the way, <laughs> uh, he's a talented guy. You know, people are going to you know, say, Colin, uh, you have a bias. First of all, I've said this a thousand times in my career. Every great team of my life, Haslam for the Heat, Rodman for the Bulls, Derek, uh, uh, Rick Fox for the Lakers, uh, Lambeer for the Pistons, Draymond Green, all great dynasties, Bruce Bowen for the Spurs, have a feisty, annoying, tough guy. And his job, he's in the league because he's smart enough to know. I mean, Bruce Bowen scored, he could score 20 a game in the league. He's like, nah, I knew on this team, my way in the league to rings was to play the way I had to play. Do the stuff that nobody else wanted to do. If you don't get Draymond Green, like if you don't understand, have you ever noticed out by, around outside the arc, they bring him up. They want him to have the ball in his hands, him to set the screen, him to make the pass. Like that organization puts him in the crosshairs. You make a mistake out there, it's a layup or a dunk the other way. Like this organization has so much trust for Draymond with the basketball in his hands. He's such, we think of him defensively, but as you watch him, Jason, he's such a catalyst. His passing, his screening, his hands. Uh, if you if you don't people that don't get him, you don't get the game. No. Like anybody know everybody knows that De'Aaron Fox and Steph are great. That doesn't take, you know, you're watching Jalen Brunson. He's obviously a, such a unique, fun player. Guys like Draymond, like they just don't sometimes I watch Draymond and I think, 
He should open a clinic on how to make the NBA as a star and average eight a game. <laughs> like he does so many things that you don't think they like screening, passing. Um, he does so many little things well that you don't necessarily like you don't get points in a box score for screening or those little he'll screen those little touch passes that don't get the assist, but they're the pass before the mm -hmm. assist. The incubator of it. Like, he doesn't get a lot of credit for that, but he was so big late today, to your point. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, a lot of people have been comparing him and Dylan Brooks, which drives me crazy. They'll be like, oh, they both make the... Oh, give me a I've break. never seen Draymond Green shove a cameraman just to be a jerk, okay? Like, there's, there's, a, differ there's a difference between, like like just being a jerk and being a guy who's kind of a physical instigator. There's no doubt that Draymond's a physical instigator and Dylan yeah. Brooks is that and more. And the other thing too is like Dylan Brooks is a bad, is a limited offensive player from a skill standpoint that doesn't get it and will take 11 shots in a quarter in a, in a road playoff game in Los Angeles. And you're like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Like, like Draymond has his offensive limitations, but he understands his role. And I love how you pointed out all those yeah. little things because it's, you're right. They love to have the ball in his hands. They've been running a ton of Steph high pick and roll as this series has progressed. Yeah. Like there was a play at the end of this game where Andrew Wiggins made a floater. Steph runs the high pick and roll. They trap him. He makes the drop off pass to Draymond. He's rolling down the basket. Looney and Wiggins kind of mess up. They both cut. And you never want to both cut because now you're getting in each other's way. It's better for one guy to cut, one guy to stay at the three-point line. And Draymond like hangs in the air and just waits barely for Wiggins to kind of break open and hits him in stride and Wiggins makes the floater. And I'm like, man, that was kind of an impressive play in traffic in the short roll. They like having the ball in his hands. He can disrupt guys below the rim defensively. He can disrupt guys above the rim defensively. Tap out rebounds is a big one. There'll be like a ball in the air and he knows he can't go get it, but he'll just run up and, and just tap at it and just keep it alive for some one of his guards to come in and make a play. I thought he was magnificent down the stretch of this game defensively. I also thought Steph did a pretty decent job on a couple of switches against uh, De'Aaron Fox. He, Steph... Steph is an underrated uh, athlete from the standpoint of his physical profile. We always think of him as a small guard, yeah. but he's like 6'3", and he's pretty strong. Like He's actually got a good amount of uh, of weight to him. And a big play there at the end, like when Darren tried to attack him on the final possession, like he'll get out and bump and, and knock him off of his, his ground a little bit. Or when he gets down, he'll bump him a little bit, understanding that's allowed in the postseason. Like he just, he can hang in those matchups a little bit. I thought as a team, the Warriors hawking to loose balls down the stretch was a big part of why they uh, uh, ended up coming out on top. I will say this, though, and I wonder what your opinion is. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer that the regular season is a good indicator of how a team's going to perform in the postseason. They got a little sloppy yeah. down the stretch, though. They had back-to-back -back turnovers. There was that Jordan Poole attempted pass to Clay Thompson in the quarter that uh, Malik yeah. grabbed, and then there was the illegal screen from Kavon Looney. <clears throat> and it's interesting to me because all season long, They've been just a little sloppy in those situations compared to yeah. previous seasons, and it almost burned them tonight. And so I, I really do think yeah. that's something that they better sharpen up if they intend to make a longer playoff, and certainly to win this series. I think Jordan Poole's game is a little sloppy. It's a little loose. It's a lot of one-handed stuff mm -hmm. by the rim. Um, I think uh, Clay, has had, Clay had a very good regular season. You can put Clay in spots offensively where he's uncomfortable with the ball a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's a classic catch and shoot guy. Um, they are. I thought Sacramento, I almost tweeted this. They had about six turnovers today and they all came at the worst times. God, the Kings had like, uh, I mean, they both had about the same number of turnovers. They had way too many. 
But the Kings came at bad times. Like they trail by three. Now it's six. You know, they oh, they can take a lead. Steph comes down, hits a three. Now they trail by four. The Kings had a lot of opportunities in this game. They're going to look at film on the way home. And that's and that Mike Brown and that staff are going to be like, we gave this game away. They, they may have had six to eight turnovers with opportunities to like extend a two-point lead or take a lead. And they failed on so many of them. So I kind of feel like Sacramento almost ended the dynasty. And I think the, I think they're going to look at that film on the way home and they're going to think we just gave one away. We just gave a game away. They outplayed Golden State early. Too many turnovers. Um they're they're a tough out, man. They are the baby warriors. They're a tough out and they're really smart. As I said at the start of this, I just feel like they need another shooter, and they'll probably get that in the draft or, you know, somewhere in free agency. I actually think if they upgrade the Sabonis position at any point, they could be super dangerous. Because like the the unsung heroes of the series have been, well, I say unsung, the real heroes of this series have been Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox. And the simple fact that nobody can yeah, guard Malik them. played well. Malik's been good in this whole yeah. series. And it's funny because uh, the Lakers couldn't afford to keep him, but that's the only reason he's not a Laker right, right now. He was one of the rare bright spots last year. Uh, just an excellent shot yeah. creator that can beat people off the dribble and knock down threes. He just... He played so well that the Lakers were financially incapable of retaining him. You know, it's funny. I right. I actually think the war or the Kings deserve to be slight favorites right now. Um, they've played well enough and they have two games at home. It's pretty simple. That said, these games are going to reach a fever pitch of intensity and drama and stakes. And so I still lean, I still lean Warriors just because they've there's look, if it's game five. And it's 100 to 100 with three minutes left. There's no doubt that the Warriors will be more comfortable in that situation simply because they've right. been in those situations before. The same goes for a game seven. Again, I the Kings should... I bet you they were positive in the locker room. I bet you they feel good in their film session. They should feel confident. But I, I think these games are going to get even more sweaty palms, even more high drama. And I just trust the Warriors a little bit more. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
what what was your take on that Lakers blowout of the Grizzlies yesterday? Do you think it's do you think the real matchup is more like the first quarter or more like the last three quarters? Well, I think the Lakers, I think we both chose the Lakers. I think they're better. Um I I, I always felt there was two things that were true about Memphis. They were they're deep and they're inexperienced. And uh, I'm not saying depth and experience are everything, but it's they feel like they need another score to me. You know, Jaw was sensational, but I I just feel like um, they need another dependable score. I mean, you you really don't want somebody scoring 45 points in a playoff game. You really don't. I mean, that's just. I mean, everybody's in awe of John Moran. It's like you know, you can go back to the Kobe stats. Like the Lakers were awful when he scored over 35 points, right? And so, you know, Jaw starts playing well. He plays downhill. Um, and it's fun. It's magical. But I just, I never, I mean, listen, they were a two seed. The Lakers were a seven. And I felt was, you know, I sit on the air. I said, if I said on the air, I believe it. I'm like, I think the Lakers are going to win this series. They were a 43-win team. <laughs> All right? When's the last time a 43-win seven seed, you take them over a two seed? Like confidently. In Memphis, yeah. was one of the... <laughs> Yeah, and Memphis was one of the best home teams in the league. So I just don't I don't feel like, and we're seeing it with Cleveland by the way. You know, you really young, have some depth, but Garland and Mitchell. I mean, the Knicks aren't even getting a good series from Julius Randle. He's not playing well. And and so I just don't feel like um I think Sacramento uh, regardless of I think Sacramento is really close to being a championship team, like a player away. Uh, I don't with Memphis. I don't always love um, – I, f- I feel they're a little uh, little less mature than Sacramento, a little chippier, a little less self-awareness. Their stars had some problems. The Kings star is like Steph, mature. So I, I it's not that I don't buy into Memphis, but I, do, I really never bought into them as a championship team. I really don't. In fact, if you told me the two really young teams in the NBA I like, I would say it's Sacramento and Cleveland. Cleveland's been disappointing. Like these playoffs, basically, Jason, nothing surprised us except Cleveland. I mean, that's the only series where if you'd have told anybody, yeah, Julius Randle, good game one, doesn't do anything, and they lead 3-1. That would be a surprise. I think almost everything we're seeing, including the Lakers-Grizzlies, we all kind of expected. We trusted LeBron and AD uh, over the last three weeks. They just won a lot of close games, and they won a lot of games against, for the same reason they're winning this one. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I like the. I, I actually did pick the Knicks to win that series, but I didn't feel super confident about it. The um that per- and like that particular series to me is just a great example of, of versatility in the playoffs. Uh, the Cavs can only run pick and roll. They can't do anything else. That's they they have to run their pick and roll offense, and if it doesn't work, they fall apart. The Knicks have the ability to attack in a bunch of different ways. As a matter of fact, they've run more than twice as many ISOs as as Cleveland yeah. has. And the problem is, is a lot of times in the playoffs, it becomes matchup hunting. And Julius Randle and Jalen, even though Julius Randle hasn't played well, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle feel way more comfortable attacking mismatches in different spots on the floor, which allows them to kind of play yeah. different styles as the game shifts. But you're right, it's been pretty, it's been pretty uh, uh, kind of like uh, chalk, I guess you could say, down the line, except for that Milwaukee Bucks uh, right. Miami Heat series, which is uh, entirely based on Giannis. And I, I don't even... 
unless Giannis doesn't play in game four, I just don't, I just am not paying. The Miami Heat are tiny. They're tiny and Milwaukee's going to win yeah. game five and game seven. They're going to probably win game four, two and win the series. Like, I just am not, I'm not worried about that unless Giannis is in some sort of serious injury situation. The, I, I, I'm glad you said that about Memphis because I actually agree. I don't think they're close either. A couple things. The only position I think that they have really, the only spots that I feel really good about, like really good about, are Jaron Jackson and Jaw. Desmond Bain has been bad in almost every playoff game that he's played, especially over the last couple of years. He struggles mightily to create his own shot off the dribble, and guys are yeah. good at chasing him over those screens to lessen the quality of the shots, and he yeah. can't make it. Like, like Austin Reeves has soundly outplayed him in this series. You know what I mean? It, the, the Grizzlies have severe limitations in shot creation and off-ball offensive skill. I was talking with a buddy uh, yesterday about this. Like, what scares me for the Lakers is they can get lazy. And you saw that. Like, I tweeted right after the first quarter yesterday. I'm like, just get ready for them to do the bare minimum to try to win this game. You know, like <laughs> the whole game, the whole game, it was like, oh, they got back to 11. I guess we should start trying again. They get it up to 16, 17. And then they'd have three bad possessions right. in a row and it'd be a 10. And we're like, oh, all right, call timeout. All right, let's go get control of this game again. Like, I, I think the Lakers are so much better than the Grizzlies. I, I think that people are. So do I. But to, and, and to your point about the arrogance, the way Ja was acting in that fourth quarter, like, oh, I've got these guys. Like, I'm like, they're not yeah. even playing anymore. They're jogging back in transition. They're barely guarding you. In the first quarter, you couldn't even get a clean look. He shot two for 10 right. on two-point shots before the fourth quarter. Like They they have figured out the job pick and roll because Jared Vanderbilt and Anthony Davis have taken away his floater and they've shut off the rim yeah. on him. They've, they've, they've kind of figured that out. Memphis, to me, has so, uh, has so far to go. But with the Lakers in their lapses in, in execution and effort, what freaks me out for them there is Sacramento and Golden State because Memphis is a young athletic team that loves to play fast, but they're unskilled, like remarkably unskilled compared to other NBA teams. Yep, Sacramento and Golden State love to play fast and they are super skilled like at every position right. so like they will those teams if they have those same brief lapses in judgment and effort in, in execution the lakers will get run off the floor by the warriors and kings so like as good it's weird i feel so confident that the lakers are going to beat the grizzlies but i am so hesitant to pick them as a team that can make a real run because they just have it is part of their identity as soon as they start to feel even remotely comfortable LeBron and Anthony Davis go, how can I start conserving energy? And it's going to be something that gets them beat, I think. Yeah, I mean, I I also think that the question we asked about Memphis all year, because Jaw's not a great shooter. He's a great athlete. He's got the floater. He finishes at the rim. If you take the rim away, you take a, a, a chunk of his field goal. I mean, it's it's the Westbrook. I, he's, a, he's a better shooter than Westbrook. But if you took the rim away from Russell Westbrook, he can have really bad nights and it gets into his head really fast. Mm -hmm. Even great shooters, um, I mean, LeBron for a big chunk of his career, like didn't like bigs around the basket because if he lost confidence in his three, he could always beat guys off the dribble, score, and get back into it. If you, and so LeBron always like liked his Bosch and his Kevin Loves. Yeah, stay clear. I think at this point in his career, he he shoots threes, makes them, misses them. Nothing's in his head. He's kind of graduated last couple of years. But Jaw's not a great natural shooter. So if he's not hitting the three and the rim's closed off, you're not beating people on floaters and, and mid-range jumpers. And so I think when I look at this team all year, my takeaway was 
Well, if you if you shut jaw down a little bit and make him shoot 41 percent, who's the second dependable score? There isn't one. And they just don't have one. I mean, it's Malik Monk's having a better series than I thought he would have. But when I say the the Kings need another score, they don't need another great score. They need about a 16 point a game score. I mean, you could put it like a I don't know if he'd fit, but like a like a Dennis Schroeder, just another, you know, somebody that's a better shooter, but kind of a 16 point a game kind of player. I think I think the Grizzlies need another star, you know, like like an Anthony Davis to be a title team. I don't think they're particularly close. I don't think they're terribly mature. As you said about Brooks, self-awareness is not a strength. They're just deep. They're deep and energetic. And physical. They've got a ton of energy. Yeah. And that's what they are. Deep physical teams. I mean, the reason the Pistons won championships is Isaiah is one of the most underrated stars of our lifetime. Lambeer could hit outside shots. Um, I mean, that team had streaky shooters. Your Vinnie Johnsons. You know, that was the bad boys team. I don't think Memphis is close to as gifted as that team offensively. And this is the offensive era. <laughs> that was a defensive era. So I just, I think, I think they're a star away. I don't think they're a player away. You could give me a, you could give me a, a, a good shooter off the bench for Sacramento. And I'd be like, all right. If they, t- if you told me they won two championships in four years, I'd be like, oh, I, I see it. I don't think Memphis is close to that. I really don't. Yeah. No, I, I mean, like it, it, the reality, the reality is, is, when like John Morant, when they shut off the rim, literally nobody else feels comfortable creating a shot other than Jaron Jackson, who's had a decent series barreling his way to the rim and just running through guys. But right. we talked about this after game two, but how like you can manufacture wins in the NBA if you have rim protection and you just play hard. You know, we talked about that a lot in, in that particular right. show. Memphis, That's a lot of Memphis. Exactly. Memphis wins a shit ton of regular season games. Why? Because they're huge. It's like Brandon Clark, Darren Jackson, <laughs> Stephen Adams, just relentless offensive, uh, 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 or relentless offensive rebounding and just defensive physicality At, right. on, on the perimeter. They play super hard and physical. And then John Morant against regular season coverages when teams are like, "Oh, it's a Tuesday and we got Memphis tonight. Let's just run our base." drop coverage and we'll just see how it goes. You know, right. whereas in, in the playoffs, they scheme so much harder towards, you know, helping off of Dylan Brooks and ducking under picks so that Jaw can't get ahead of steam and little things like that. And, and like that, that's just the reality is like you need to have an extra gear you can get to in the postseason. And there, it's almost the opposite for Memphis because Desmond Bain goes down a level. Dylan Brooks actually tries to shoot more when he can't make them. John Morant, yeah, he made all the threes when they were down 20 and there was absolutely no pressure to make or miss, but it's a little different when it's like you're down 27 to 13 in the early second quarter and they're daring you to shoot and you don't have that. And like it's a totally different game when the pressure rises and the stakes rise. That's why those pull-up jump shots stop falling in those environments. So yeah, like I I agree. I think I think Memphis I mean, it's been coming for a while with how confident they've been, but I agree. I think I think the move is they need another legitimate shot creator, a guy who can put the ball on the floor and consistently generate offense against a set defense, exactly what they hoped Desmond Bain would be, which he can't be, unfortunately. That's right. Yep. Yeah, I, I think I think we're seeing in these playoffs, you know, cross your fingers on Giannis and Embiid's health. Um, there's one real upset, and that's been the Knicks who plays so well at home with that crowd. I mean, I mean, obviously, like the Chase Center, it gives the Warriors like four to five points. I mean, it just does. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like Madison Square Garden gives the Knicks like four to five points. 
especially an effort team. They're not a terribly skilled team. They're long. They're aggressive. Um, effort teams. They just play with so much energy, and they've got you know they've got a lot of like young guys on that team. So the Knicks are going to be. I, 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 I'm surprised they're beating the Cavs, but that's about the only. I mean, once you go to seven games in the first round, you 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 you, you play your way out of upsets. I mean, if the Knicks beat the Cavs then they are the better team, clearly. They're also, um, you know, they've had rebound advantages. As I watched that game, I think to myself, why was I so badly fooled on Cleveland? Like I, I said all year, I thought, man, they match up. I saw them play Boston twice. I saw two times they played them. I thought they matched up great. They're twitchy. They're good on the wings. They got good looks. I'm like, man, they match up with Boston really well. And they may get beat in five games by the Knicks. So I'm like, why was I so badly fooled on it? Like Garland hasn't delivered. I don't know the answer, but to your point, um, some teams, you get away with stuff in the regular season, and then you just hit a complete ceiling. And maybe Cleveland's that team. But I I have been fooled by the Cavs because Julius Randle outside of game one, I mean, what did he give him today, 11? I mean, just... I don't even know if he scored that many. He's just not, he hasn't been effective. Out of rhythm, off the angle, for sure. Off the ankle. Um, The the Cavs are the perfect example of that regular season ceiling team. Like, tons of rim protection, spam, pick, and roll. Like, and you play hard, and you have a great home crowd. Like, if you do that, you can win 40-plus games in the NBA. But, like, the main reason why I was never a big believer in Cleveland is they were literally one of the worst spot-up shooting teams in the league. Like, they're off-ball guys, like that three-spot, whether it was... Evan Mobley standing in the corner, or if it's Isaac Okoro, or if it's, you know, Lamar Stevens, or if it's, you know, uh, Chetty Osmond, or whoever it is, whoever that guy is, has been a disaster like all season long. And so it becomes can Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell make a ton of extremely difficult pull up jump shots? And they just have it. The Knicks have completely shut down their pick and roll offense. They have not had a counter that they can go to. Meanwhile, the Knicks can play a bunch of different ways and they have a ton of skill off the ball. Josh Hart very skilled. Emmanuel quickly, very skilled. Quentin Grimes, very skilled. So they have, when they're, when you send extra bodies to Jalen Brunson and to Julius Randle, he's kicked, they're kicking to just better players. They're, they're kicking to better players. And it is a team sport at the end of the day. Last thing I'll say about the Knicks, like Jalen, they, they took a bet on Jalen Brunson, such a big bet that they got cheap with Donovan Mitchell, let him go, which if you ask them, they'll say, we like Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson is like a legit star player in this league. I I have a hard time thinking of a comp uh, in recent NBA history because there's not many players who play like him, but he's flat. He's, he's a, he's a, like, he's an assassin, uh, um, like competitor who targets your worst defense. He's been just going at Chetty Osman every time he gets a chance in this series. Super comfortable working from every spot on the floor. Like the Knicks got a good one in Jalen Brunson. And honestly, Colin also has leadership skills. Uh-huh. You know, vil- classic Villanova guy, stayed in school multiple years, was coached hard, had to play defense. You know, Villanova doesn't recruit, le- recruit you if you won't play defense. So, like, he comes in. Villanova doesn't always have the most skilled players, all grownups. No squirrely guys. Yeah. Like they're all Mikhail Bridges, right? He's your classic Villanova guy. Ceiling's a little lower, although it's not that low, but you're getting an adult. You get you get really high functional basketball intelligence, uh, sets up plays. 
if you watch Jalen over the course of a season, and I don't, you know, I watch a lot of Sixers Celtic games because I get on the treadmill at four thirty Pacific. And that's my time to watch. And so I watch a, a first half of a lot of NBA games, and I saw so many Sixers-Celtic games. But one of the things you know with Brunson is th- there's a very legitimate argument that in terms of most valuable player, which he won't win because these bigs have rebounds and blocks and stats, he's as valuable as any player in the league to a team. Like he is – you take him out of the Knicks, it's not even the same team. They don't move as well. They don't shoot as well. There are so many good guards, so many good guards, and most of the ones we love, the Foxes, the Staffs, the Jalen Brunsons, man, they're they're very quarterbackial. Like oh, yeah. they really under they're really adults. I mean, it's um they all kind of know when to turn it on, when to pull it back. I mean, Steph will hoist up a couple of shots and you kind of just roll your eyes at it. <laughs> but when I when I watch Brunson, he's in such control. He's oh and I think a lot of that, Jason, it's the Villanova in him. You know, Villanova is going to make you play defense. They're not going to let you be squirrely. Not a lot of ISO stuff at Villanova. And you can see it in him. He's just totally, and he led that Villanova program, right? Like, it, it, it's such a structured, you know, transfer portal world. You know, in a one-and-done world, Villanova is like this bedrock of um, stability and old-school college basketball. And you can see it the way he plays. Like, New York doesn't phase him at Not a all. little bit. He is the point. He's like Walt Frazier. He's the point guard of the Knicks. He was built to be the point guard of the Knicks. Yeah, they churn, they churn out adult basketball players. <laughs> I, I actually said in my series preview that I thought that Jalen Brunson had a chance to outplay Donovan Mitchell in large part on execution. Because Donovan Mitchell just has just a tiny bit of that Westbrook like, oh, I'll just shoot five possessions in a row. You know what I mean? And, and right. Jalen Brunson is so much more methodical in his approach and is much more making reads. I, As a basketball fan, I have thoroughly enjoyed his rise. I actually do think if Julius Randle can figure things out that they'll give uh, the Bucks or the Heat a good fight in round two as well. The Knicks are on yeah. the way up. It's it's very exciting. The volume. Make sure to check out the Draymond Green show. I brought Draymond Green into the volume because one of the more entertaining voices in sports, unique perspective, understands behind the rope, also chops up with guests like Gary Payton, Zach Levine, Tracy McGrady. Make sure download the Draymond Green Show wherever you get your podcasts, only on the Volume Podcast Network. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 